I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, the power of clarity, how global managers can lead better with clarity and how to avoid the three biggest types of confusion. Here's something for you to think about the next time you're driving along the road. Have you ever noticed that anyone driving slower than you is an idiot and anyone driving faster than you is a maniac? This is a wonderful quote from George Carlin, an American comedian who was known for his sharp black comedy. And I don't want to overanalyze it, but the essence of that quote is we always think we're right, even though we're not aware of where we are. I sometimes think it's the mental model that's used by too many drivers on the autobahn. Indeed, if you look at the accidents and speeding offences that happen, most are caused by driver error, that is, low awareness of the situation. So surveys of speeding drivers always bring up the same excuses. Lack of concentration, stress, distraction, ignoring the traffic rules and regulations, underestimating my control, or just following what the other cars were doing. There is one group of people that have learnt to drive at high speed emergency service drivers, that is, police drivers, ambulance drivers, and so on. And in many countries, they are trained to use the acronym COAST. COAST, that's C-O-A-S-T, stands for concentration, observation, anticipation, to create more space and time. The idea is to drive as attentively as possible, so that you're fully aware of the situation you're in. Then you're able to bring your attention to any potential danger or opportunity and to raise your concentration level when you need it. In practical terms, when you're driving, your attention moves in a loop, so your vision goes from the far distance to the mid-distance to the near distance to the mirrors in the car to what is going on in the car and then back out again to the distance. It's this system, concentration, observation and in anticipation to create more space and time that emergency service drivers use because of course they need to get to the scene of the accident without creating a second accident. The best drivers clearly know what they are doing and where they are going because they are fully aware and open to a dynamic situation and I often think this is the same in global management. What I do see, and I think most people see it as well, is that the best managers are clear on where their company is going in a dynamic, changing situation. And with this awareness, it becomes 10 times easier to lead people. These managers have this power of clarity. Without the power of clarity, the confusion spreads through the whole organization and it causes negative business results, unhappy customers and untold problems for the staff like stress and burnout. So how can we avoid confusion? I think confusion shows itself in many ways, but there are three big types that we can look out for because these are the types of confusion that cause the most damage to the company, to the results and to the people who work there. Three types are firstly, continuous conflict, secondly, task mania, and thirdly, frozen by fear. Let's take a look at the first big type of confusion and that's continuous conflict. Continuous conflict happens in groups and corporate cultures that have lots of energy. Sadly, it's negative energy. 
this overflow of frustration and irritation and disappointment that people genuinely feel is left undealt with. So you have a situation where employees are not sure where to direct this negative energy. Let me give an example of how it works. I once worked with a global IT company who had amongst its customers a huge international engineering company. The engineering company was based in Sweden. The IT company that I worked with had split its sales territory by geography, to be exact by country, and you can guess what's coming here. The engineering company based in Sweden wanted new IT installing in its French subsidiary. So the IT sales team in Sweden sent the customer a proposal and the IT sales team based in France sent the customer a second proposal. So a few days later, the customer phoned back with two proposals on his desk, curious as to why the same IT company had sent almost the same proposal twice, with one proposal being about 100,000 euros more. That's a difficult one to explain away. But it's a classic example of how in a multinational company you see these absurd, crazy corporate rules and policies which fail to serve the customer. And right there, there are the signs of continuous conflict in the IT company culture. The first warning sign was misdirected anger. In the IT company, there was lots of misdirected anger. Massive arguments, shouting down the phone, abusive language, but not about the customer. Amazingly, the main argument was about how to split the profit from the deal. The anger, that negative energy, went back into the organisation and it stayed there and it went round and round and took the company in a downward spiral. Huge amounts of time were wasted talking about how to split the profit on the deal instead of thinking about how to win the customer back and convince him that he should stay with the company. The second warning sign of continuous conflict is too many meaningless rules. So rules exist to maintain conformity, to create a standard way. But if there are too many, or they have no practical meaning, they actually lead to a lot of procrastination and inaction. And in the IT company, decisions were not being made at the global executive level about how to deal with situations like the Swedish engineering company who could possibly be served by two sales teams, one in Sweden and one in France. No executive level decision was made. It led to inaction, procrastination, and the confusion of two proposals being sent to the customer. And the third less obvious warning signal is empty promises. So in the end, the IT company did actually a good job of smoothing things over with the customer. Internally, new informal agreements were made about proposals from different sales teams. But the problem continued because nobody was raising the alarm in future. They were too scared of the consequences for them, for their team and for their career. This is a classic case of empty promises. Promises that changes will be made, but only half delivering on those promises. The second biggest area of confusion is task mania. And task mania happens in organisations where people are taking action, any action, to avoid and ignore the underlying confusion. One of the best examples of task mania was in the UK health service, the NHS, about two decades ago. Concern was growing about the length of time that people had to wait for hospital operations, so operations on their knees, their back, 
painful hips and so on. The government of the day came up with a wonderful idea to reduce the waiting time for operations. They set a simple, clear target. No patient was allowed to wait more than 18 weeks for an operation, and indeed the average wait had to be under 10 weeks. Little else changed. They didn't put any more resources into operations. So you can, you can imagine what happened. Patients were called in for appointments within the nine to 10 week deadline to be told, yes, you've got a painful back or a painful knee, come back again in eight weeks. The effect is obvious, average wait times went down, but people weren't getting treated faster and they weren't getting cured. At an organizational level, it created more problems than it solved because you've got a system where you've got doctors spending time seeing people simply to tell them to come back, and you have hospital administrators with more paperwork and more administration to process. Neither of those groups have more resources, so overall your performance is going down. The hospitals had fallen into the trap of Tasmania, and the warning signs of a culture of Tasmania, again, there are three big ones. The first one is high loyalty and high output. So the doctors and the nurses and the hospital administrators were dedicated to their job. They saw a huge number of patients. They're filling in forms and they're writing reports. When asked why they did it the way they did it, there's silence because there's never any time for reflection. There's never any time to think about more efficient ways of working. In high loyalty, high output, cultures, often in stable environments, work gets done in a certain way and that's the way it is. And it's difficult to see the value of your work if you never reflect. A second sign of Tasmania are perfectionists. Every task is performed to perfection. Every process is followed step by step, even if it makes sense to skip or ignore certain steps. No corners are cut. Business is about success, not perfection. Perfection has its place in certain tasks, but when perfection is the organizational culture and the executives make it the organizational culture, then you've got problems. And the third warning sign of a task mania culture is permanent dissatisfaction. So with the hospitals, the target of reducing waiting times was good at the start, but without the extra resources, more doctors, more nurses, more administrators, It's never going to stop the appointment merry-go-round. People walk in the door and out and they're back in the door in eight weeks' time. The solution sounded fantastic, but the patient treatment actually got worse. Being busy is one thing. We can avoid the confusion of task mania by being busy with a clear purpose and an end goal. And it's up to the executives to set that. The third type of confusion is being frozen by fear. So to explain this, have you ever gone from one meeting to the next, there's lots of talking, there's agreement on decisions, and then there's no action? Well, that's an indicator of an organisation that's frozen by fear. Early in my career, I worked for exactly this type of organisation. It was dominated by a narcissistic boss. Imagine a Donald Trump type of person. (laughs) I could have any idea I liked, my colleagues could have any idea we liked, as long as it was the boss's idea. So one of my colleagues said, you've got to feed the ducks. It's like when you go to the local park, there's a pond, there's ducks. I said, "Uh uh-huh. He said, the boss is a duck. You've got the bread. You throw him a piece of bread, he takes a step towards you. 
You throw him another piece of bread and he comes a few more steps towards you. Eventually, he's taken your position, but he thinks it's his original fantastic idea. It's a great workaround, it sounds fantastic, but there's a long-term disadvantage. Innovation, new ideas, customer service all suffer. You can never achieve five-star customer service with this type of organizational culture. And I think we all know the signs of the culture that is frozen by fear. The first is that nothing really gets done because people cannot decide on impulse. They can't decide spontaneously. Everything has to be passed through the boss who decides or not, gives it his yes or not. The second one sounds very similar. It's slow decision-making in meetings. Every decision is checked and checked again. People fear making the wrong decision and they fear the consequences from their boss. And the third warning sign is a lot of low-risk behavior. People work to the rules. They do exactly what they've been told to do by their supervisors, the supervisors by their managers. Although at the same time, like in any system where you have too many rules and people working to the rules, the employees, the managers, they find clever ways to avoid the rules. So whether it's continuous conflict, task mania or being frozen by fear as a source and type of confusion, and of course there are other types of confusion, confusion never adds to clarity and it always results in poorer business results and poorer performance. So the best executives are the ones who at least have the awareness to realise that they are confused and to seek help through coaching or mentoring or just getting outside advice. So what is the path to clarity? How do we avoid this confusion? The key step is to take time to understand yourself, to understand how you see yourself, how others see you. It's also to understand others and ask them how they see themselves and whether you see them in the same way. And finally, around that is to understand the context. What's the situation that you're all operating under? And this is why feedback mechanisms are so important. To come back to the George Carlin quote, the fact is that many global managers overestimate their ability, thus leaving a gap for confusion. And without the power of clarity, in those situations, high performance is all but impossible. On the other hand, with the power of clarity, you see clear opportunities to improve performance, productivity goes up, you give people that sense of security and structure because with you, they know where they're going and you're looked up to by other people as the person who can get change done. That is where I believe most global managers want to be. I'm Stephen Hunt. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business. Oh,